They don't have a team name yet, but the Seattle franchise, this 32nd National Hockey League franchise, has a general manager. As we welcome you to the this 369th episode of Unscripted with Mike and Chris. Mike Jansen, Chris Fluke with you, and that it was the news on Friday. As Ron Francis, you know, a guy more known for his unbelievable hockey exploits as a member of the Hartford Whalers and the Carolina Hurricanes, and and uh, now he is going to be the general manager of the new Seattle team in the National Hockey League. As again, we welcome you to this 369th episode of Unscripted with Mike and Chris. Mike Jansen, Chris Fluke with you. Want to talk about that. He finally gets a real shot to prove himself as the newly named general manager of the Seattle team in the National Hockey League. And I think we need to name that team, don't we? Didn't we have a name for it? Seattle Freeze. That's right. That's right. I thought. Oh, man. We used to talk about that all the time. That seems like forever ago. But I know. Yeah, the Seattle Freeze. The term is an actual term. Right. If we, if you don't remember from when we talked about it a year or two ago on Unscripted. Right. Yeah, the Seattle Freeze Seattle refers Freeze, to... The F- Calgary Flames moving west. Well, the original term uh, refers to people find that when you move to Seattle, that the people there aren't that welcoming to outsiders. Right. So they call how they treat you the Seattle Freeze. They kind of give you the they cold shoulder. They give you the cold shoulder. Right. So okay. I just think it's the perfect name and perfect way to reset a team called the Flames if the Flames were to move there. But even if it's not the Flames... Still, just the Seattle Freeze, it's a real term. I think it's brilliant. I still think of the Seattle Thunderbirds. Something just sounds right about that. That was a team before. I don't think they exist anymore. I think of the Seattle Supersonics. Obviously, they're not going to do that. And we came up with lots of names. You had some good ones, too. What did you have again? Um, I really can't remember. I, I remember Freeze. I think you came up with uh, the Inferno. I came or up something. with the Inferno, yeah. Uh, just a spinoff of the Flames because yeah. we had the Flames coming west. Yeah, um, they wouldn't do that if they are original. But right. Um, but no, we had some good names and now that you mentioned freeze, but, uh, they don't have a name, but they now have a general manager and I'm very happy for Ron Francis. Here's one of the good guys from the national hockey league, but there seems to be, I don't know, maybe you, maybe you have a better feel on this than I do probably do, but is this a surprise you think of Ron Francis getting the job or was I, I I just I never really I never really associated this name. I mean, I had heard names like uh who's the guy here in Calgary um that I've been trying to get on this program. Um the guy that scored the goals Martin Gelina. Martin Gelina. He was interested in the Seattle job as the general manager. We've heard that name. Obviously, the the new coach of the Edmonton Oilers at one time worked for the Seattle organization in a advisory role, uh, Dave Tippett. Um, I just never really kind of put the numbers together or connected the dots and got Ron Francis in the Pacific Northwest, but I'm happy for him. Seems to be a great guy, and uh, I think he will do a good job, and he has a vision of making this a destination spot. Now, I don't know what he quite means by that, but if you want to get rained on, that's your place. But (laughs) I'm just trying to figure out what he meant by a destination spot. Destination spot to me, that means Las Vegas, baby. That means Los Angeles. That doesn't mean raining nine out of 10 days every week or nine, you know, whatever. Um, But 
I am uh, I'm excited, but were you a little bit surprised by Ron Francis and, and all the buildup that has led to him being named the first general manager of the Seattle expansion National Hockey League team? Yeah, well, I've always associated Ron Francis with the East. I mean, yeah, Hartford, exactly. Pittsburgh, right. Carolina, to, to all of a sudden shoot out West. I don't know, not that there's you know a whole lot of hockey tradition in the Pacific Northwest or anything. Nope. So I, I guess you don't really expect anything local, but Ron Francis, it's just, he just always, even as a player, and I can't think of anyone else necessarily like this, but even as a player, he just seemed like the chaperone. He seemed like the mm-hmm. guy, seemed like he was way older and way more mature than everybody else on the ice, but he was still really talented, very underrated second line center behind Super Mario mm-hmm. back in the cup winning days. I mean, his contributions will never be fully appreciated. And, uh, you know, great. I believe he was the captain in Hartford, I believe, as well. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, just a great leader, understated, mature, level headed. So uh, just a guy you could see a mile away transitioning into a coach or more specifically as an executive. Mm-hmm. He just he's he was just always an adult. Yeah. You know, and <laughs> an so, adult. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's so, a great word for it. Yeah. Anyone who's mature, I think, has always liked Ron Francis. I don't know what you could say bad about the guy. In this case, other than maybe that he doesn't have a lot of experience, I mean, you'd want you'd you'd want you would think not that these guys are available all the time, but you'd want like a Lou Lamorello or a Ray yeah, Shiro yeah. to kind of come in there. Uh, not that you'd have a David Poyle available, although they did try to get Kelly McCrimmon, mm-hmm. right? So, right. so I I mean, there's only so much you can actually do there. It is a big job. It's an exciting job though, potentially, and uh, I, I have no problem with this hire. It's just that Ron Francis as an executive, hasn't necessarily proved too much, even though he does have some experience. But he's just, he's not known for doing anything flashy on or off the ice. Right. Also, um, coming up here in the next couple of days, uh, end of the month, so we're talking about, uh, oh, I don't know, next Wednesday, I believe, will be the trade deadline day in Major League Baseball. And they're only having one trade deadline day this year. There's now... None of that crap at the end of of July into August with the waiver deadline or waiver deals. There ain't there isn't any of that this year. It's just one trade deadline. It's the end of July, and uh, that will happen again next Wednesday, I believe, is the thirty first. And uh, so trade deadline day coming up in Major League Baseball, and you see what's going on in Toronto in regard to the Blue Jays and. Uh, they brought up all the kids. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is up playing third base and doing pretty well. Craig Biggio's son, Craven Biggio, is up, and he's doing really, really well, playing a multitude of positions, most of it at second like his father, but then ultimately I've seen him play a little right field, I've seen him play a little left field, and last night he was actually at designated hitter, um, doing a very, very nice job there. They've got a lot of the kids up. They've put... Uh, Laura's Gudiel Jr. in left field. Basically, the rebuild is in full blow mode, full blow mode now in Toronto. And I'm just wondering with this trade deadline coming up, it was at the end of the of their blue of their Blue Jays reign, if you will, for guys like Marcus Stroman, Aaron Sanchez, and Justin Smoke, as maybe they get dealt to contending teams here by the July 31st trade deadline. I know that the Phillies, the Yankees, and a number of teams have had guys and scouts taking a look at Marcus Stroman. 
Who's going to want Aaron Sanchez, though, right now as he's lost 10 straight decisions as a starting pitcher? That'll be interesting to see if he goes somewhere. Still got good stuff. I think the problem with Aaron Sanchez is between his his ears, though, I got to tell you, folks. And Justin Smoke, I mean, if you're only batting 245, I mean, we'll have to see. But it'll be interesting to see how busy teams like Toronto are at the trade deadline because, you know, baseball is so funny that way there are teams you know that have aspirations of moving on to the postseason and then there are guys that are ready for spring training to start and uh at 36 and 63 i think the toronto blue jays are ready for (laughs) spring training to start but obviously these are the pains that you have to go through in a rebuilding process and i'm telling you the the young talent that they're accumulating in toronto with the bgo's uh, with the uh, Guriel Juniors, with the uh, Guerrero Juniors, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and the guys that they're bringing up, uh, Tiascar Hernandez, uh, their catcher Danny Jansen, no relation to me. Um, you know, they are, they're going to be a good team, just not this year. But maybe they get rid of a few more pieces and bring in some more collectible assets for years going on. And also, I do need to send out message. Um, I have no idea if this guy listens to Unscripted. If he's as smart as I think he is, he probably does. Uh, But I remember this guy from, well, well, well back ago, the former University of Nevada, Las Vegas media guy. He was the guy that would arrange interviews for us. Uh, Tommy Shepard. Tommy used to be the media guy at UNLV back in the early 90s when Coach Tark was there, and then it went to Roly Massimino and went to a couple other schmucks. But Tommy Shepard was the media guy there, and he was unbelievably a good guy. Tommy would help you any way, shape, or form, get you a guy. You know, you need Stacy Ogman, you need Larry Johnson, you need whoever. He'd get you these guys, and I, I, I always will, and I'll never forget Tommy for that. But Tommy Shepard is going to be named the permanent general manager of the Washington Wizards. I'm so happy for him. He was the interim since uh, Ernie Grunfeld was relieved of his duties at the end of the year as the he was the 16-year general manager of the Washington Wizards. He was let go at the end of the season. Tommy replaced him on an interim basis, and they had you had heard the name Masai Ujiri potentially going for $10 million a year to go down for a 10-year contract. Well, it's not going to happen. Tommy Shepard, an old friend of mine that I've known from back in the UNLV days. One of us, one of us has made it. Tommy Shepard is the new general manager of the Washington Wizards, and I congratulate him so very, very much as I welcome in to this 369th episode of Unscripted, the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Fluke. And Chris is going through our Twitter uh, account to start Free Forum Friday and He's looking for something that somebody has some somebody some said some intelligence and uh, Chris will be with us in a minute to to get us started on Freeform Friday. But you know, um, I have to say that um, I'm very appreciative of uh, the opportunity to get to talk with Chris here once or we we try to get together once a week or so and. Uh, Usually we have no problem with (laughs) 
we just go on forever and ever. But you know, we're again, we're in that 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 area now between the end of the NBA and NHL seasons, and we're still about forty eight days out until the start of the National Football League season. And you know, um, we're not big soccer fans. I won't watch it. Um, but you know what? It's nice to have the Twitter account. We can go on there and find out what people are talking about. And it's a great way to end the week. Chris goes on and finds things that people are talking about. And then uh, something that, is, that piques his interest. We talk about it. We banter it about. And then we move on to the next topic. So um, I'm just... Uh, must be... Uh, Got something going on there? Oh, yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> go go ahead. Let her rip. All right. With that, good. with having said that, I bring in the executive producer of Unscripted to get Freeform Friday started, and I welcome into the program Mr. Fluke. Thanks, Mike. All right, Sports Center at Sports Center. Ray Allen turns 44 today. Yeah, I, I uh, Ray Allen um, hit some unbelievable shots during his NBA career, hit the shot in the corner in the 2000-whatever NBA Finals when he was a member of the uh, Miami Heat to beat the San Antonio Spurs. He hit some huge shots as a member of the Big Three, the original Big Three, if you will, in Boston with the Celtics. But he was originally a draft pick of the Milwaukee Bucks, first overall pick in 1994 out of the University of Connecticut. And you don't find classy people uh, like Ray Allen just lying around and, and uh it was great to get to watch him shoot jump shots in Milwaukee for all those years. But he also now, as he's gone on, to, and as Chris just mentioned, turning 44 years old, he's also one hell of a golfer. And if you watch him swing a golf club, he does that almost as pretty as when he used to to uh, shoot jump shots. So Ray Allen at 44, happy birthday and many more to you, my friend. Congratulations for all you've done. And thank you for what you did for the state of Wisconsin in your time with the Bucks organization. Oakland Raiders at Raiders on this date 48 years ago. Raiders quarterback slash kicker George Blanda graced the cover of Sports Illustrated at age 43. He told SI he ate steak, potatoes, and green vegetables, drank Kentucky bourbon, and smoked a pack or two a day, but he didn't inhale them. Yeah, and he played until he was 48. He kicked for the Raiders until he was 48 years old. And um, you just, you know, there was a thing I remember years ago uh, mid seventies, I think it was maybe made, maybe mid eighties, but Jim Brown was thinking about, and he was contemplating a comeback at age 40 something with the Raiders never quite happened, but, um, to play football, even just as a kicker, you can still get hit on the football field. I don't care, you know, what position you, if you're on the field, you can get hit and you can get hurt and you can get injured. And to do it at 48 and still to do it, to do it successfully is quite a tribute to George Blanda. And, uh, you know, it's really something to, to know that a guy was still kicking football when he was 48 years old. Congratulations to him. I don't know how long he lasted. I know he's not with us anymore, but uh, I do remember George Blanda kicking back in those days. And you know what? He was still, at that time, behind Ken Stabler and David Hum. He was the third... Uh, third string quarterback as well for the Raiders in those days under uh, uh, under uh, John Madden as well. Okay, page six at page six. Eddie Murphy, Netflix, close to $70 million deal for stand-up comeback. And it's there's a couple things here. 
that I want to mention. So Netflix is in really bad financial shape and always has been. Oh, really? They've always been. Oh. They've always been. If you look at their financials, they're a joke. And that was before I realized how much they'd spend for one-offs. Now, with Eddie Murphy, he had Ron Delirious, yeah. and I always thought he'd never, ever come back. I guess maybe for tons of money like this for one night of work or one hour right. of work. Right. But, I mean, I always thought he would not risk tarnishing his legacy as, you know, pound for pound or minute for minute, probably the greatest stand-up ever, because he just had really the two big specials, and then he went to Saturday Night Live, and then the, yeah. you know, the mainstream shit like Nutty Professor and all that. But, you know, because, I mean, the the bar for him is so high. Like, the expectation of him yeah. would be so high. And when you haven't done stand-up in 30, 30 40 30, years... That's right, yeah. Yeah, that's hard to do. And, I mean, I don't see him just going and trying shit out at the clubs like all other stand-up comedians would do. So that's actually a massive story that he might come back and do one more special because I never thought we'd see the day. But also, I always th- also think the story is notable for, for this. And it's not just for him. Like, Ricky Gervais... Uh, for his last special with Netflix, got $40 million. So it's like, okay, guys, like what, he wouldn't have done it for $30 million? He wouldn't have done it for 10 Like, well, then you don't need it that badly. You you tell me there's an ROI on that? Like, so $70 million, that's $7 million one-month memberships. There's, there's no way that you're going to make money off that. Like, it's just, to me, the financials are ludicrous for one-offs. Maybe if it's something as special as Eddie Murphy coming back yeah. for the one and only time after 40 years away. Maybe that. Maybe. Yeah. But I mean, I find out they're just giving all sorts of guys 10, 20, 30 million, 40 million dollars for one special on their little platform. It's unbelievably how shitty Netflix has run. But uh, your thoughts on both Netflix and Eddie Murphy potentially coming back? Well, um, I'm excited to hear that, that Eddie Murphy would potentially entertain the thought of coming back. And it makes it a lot easier when you're giving him $70 million to do so. Um, I enjoyed Raw. I enjoyed Delirious. Um, I still uh, on uh, what I ha- whatever whatever the the thing is that I have in the car, the uh, Sirius satellite. You can still hear Delirious and Raw uh, on the comedy channels. Uh, Eddie Murphy will will sell uh, you know his first his first uh, comedic try again in. 30, 40 years, he will sell. There's no question. People will will buy to listen to that. Um, it's It'll be interesting to see. I, I think that Eddie Murphy was so outrageous during uh, Raw and Outrageous that it probably shocked a lot of people. Um, the, way, the, the way he spoke and the way he just... Um, some of the things that came out of his mouth during those two uh, comedy shows... Um, were a little surprising. I remember listening to it as a youngster and uh, my father coming out onto the back porch and hearing that. And he goes, um, well, he literally ripped it out of my hands. And uh, that was the end of that. And I had to sneak around the house to listen to the end of it. But um, Eddie Murphy will sell. There's no question about it. I think people are are intrigued. They want to see what Eddie has left in the tank after all this time. I don't know what Eddie's been doing. Really, I mean, not much. I not much. I mean, the last movie that I knew, it was Daddy Daycare, and and uh, you know he's had a couple others, but uh, I would certainly uh, watch his coming out uh, to see what it's about. But uh, I will hold judgment until after I see that first one to see if there's a second one. But uh, he will sell, and uh, 
I just didn't know that uh, Netflix was that bad in financial shape. Oh, they're so in debt. It's not even funny. It's wow. Like the, how are they paying these guys? I don't know. I don't know. They're, wow. they're a disaster. They're a disaster. So I don't know. But anyway, uh, Dmitry Filipovic at Dim Filipovic. I always just assumed the no move clause in Milan Lucic's deal was, re- was referring to his style of play. <laughs> uh, you know, I bet a lot of the GMs around the league today that aren't talking to Brad Tree Living are making fun of Brad Tree Living today. I really believe that. Um, I, as I said to you a couple episodes ago, uh, I believe that James Neal is going to go up and make a contribution in Edmonton. And um, the Flames got the, the, the low end of this stick so bad. They, they really did. Um, but um, James, James's Neal's days in Calgary were over last summer. The Flames took a trip to China. And during that trip to China was when the first bomb, if you will, between Johnny Goudreau and James Neal happened on an ice rink over in China. And Johnny went to Coach Bill Peters and said that I can't play with this guy. He sucks. He's this, he's that, he's all this other stuff. And notice Johnny Goudreau and James Neal never saw each other on the ice pretty much the rest of the season. Um, Johnny Goudreau has to do something in his career before he starts making personnel moves. And I really believe that if the Flames are to take what they believe is this small window of Stanley Cup opportunity, which I think is a joke, but they need to make a trade. And I think that trade needs to involve John Mona, uh, Johnny uh, Goudreau. Johnny Goudreau is a sideshow. Johnny Goudreau is a five foot six sideshow. Yeah, he's fast and he's got quick hands and all this other stuff. But what happened to Johnny during the playoffs? Uh huh. Anybody? Anybody? He did nothing. One game, excuse me, 1.5 games. That's your number one center on your number one line of a team that had 104 points or 106 points or whatever the hell it was during the regular season. And then you get into the first round of playoffs against the eighth seeded Colorado Avalanche and you get smoked in five games? Come on, guys. Johnny Goudreau does not have, he's not, he is a complementary piece. He is not a building piece. That's the difference, and that's going to hold the Flames back. If you're paying this guy star money when he's not a star, that is going to impede your progress on getting ultimately to a Stanley Cup, and right now the Flames are not good enough to make the Stanley Cup. Johnny Goudreau calling the shots. No, that's like me calling the shots. It shouldn't happen. Shouldn't happen. Uh, Adrian at King Day and then some underscores. I know we have more throwbacks than these. I hate them. And he's talking about the Packers. And I completely agree. I fucking hate those stupid blue and yellow uniforms. I hate the blue and yellow uniforms. I think they're disgusting. I don't know why we have to wear those stupid things. And also the Packers came out with another jersey this week that was gold with green numbers. Hmm. Gold and then 12 in green. And have and to the, see it. Okay. And uh, I didn't like that much either. Yeah, the Packers are going to wear the shitty blue and yellow I ones just, in week three. Against the, Denver, and I just don't know why. We have to go back looking like this. It, it just is stupid. I don't get it. I mean, why couldn't the Packers go back 
if they have to go back and use a dated jersey, go back to when they were good in the 60s and use one of those jerseys. That's just fine right there. And it, it pays tribute to their heritage when they won five championships in seven years under Bart Starr and all the great players under the Coach Lombardi era. Go back to that area if you have to go back to a throwback jersey. Don't go back to the 1930s. They look stupid. And those pants are even worse. Yeah. PGA Tour at PGA Tour. Jack Nicklaus's results at the Open from 1963 to 1982. So that's 20 years. You'll notice only one double-digit number here. That was just in his third appearance. Third, second, twelfth, first, second, second, sixth, first, fifth, second, fourth, third, third, second, second, first, second, fourth. Well, you know what a lot of people don't realize about Mr. Nicholas is simply this. Besides him winning the 18 major championships in his career, and if you include his two um, um, amateur titles, U.S. Open amateur titles, you could make the argument that he has 20 major championships. But Nicholas is the one that says, nope, I've only won 18. Those amateur championships do not count. Okay, fine, you're at 18. But what people don't, don't know or don't remember or haven't, you know, haven't been made aware of, Jack Nicholas ended up second 30, excuse me, ended up 19 times. So if he converts half of those... We don't have to worry about Tiger Woods or Jordan Spieth or Brooks Kepka or anybody else catching him. Because if Mr. Nicholas would have, you know, if he ends up winning 18 major championships and he finishes second a night, another 19 times, my God, folks, that's how dominant Jack Nicholas was. And I like Tiger Woods. Don't get me wrong. I don't like his extracurricular activities, but I do like Tiger Woods. And I like what Tiger Woods brought to the game. Tiger Woods brought bigger purses to the game, bring bigger television audiences to the game, and he's made everybody a boatload of money since Tiger came on when he won that first major championship when he won the 1997 Masters by 12 shots. But if there is any question in anybody's mind as to who the greatest golfer is of all time, you only have to look at one name. And that name is Jack William Nicholas. 18 major championships, 19 second place finishes, folks. There is nobody better. And I don't, I don't even want to discuss it because Tiger may win another one before it's over. I don't think now because we've seen what's happened to him this year. He hasn't recovered yet from Augusta in April. And now we're here almost to August. And Tiger still hasn't recovered from Augusta. Tiger will probably get, you know, he will get everything going once a year and and make a push for one big push a year in regard to major championship play. But I don't think Tiger gets to 18 or 19 anymore. And if Mr. Nicholas would have converted half of these that he ended up second, we wouldn't even be talking about it. Yeah. Oh, that would that'd be awesome. <laughs> I wish I, I really wish that had happened. Okay. I just can't believe and, and that's how good Nicholas was. 19 second place finishes that's that's pretty freaking awesome yep okay your buddy andy richter who you said was from wisconsin he's from wisconsin yes he is yeah, yeah i'm really enjoying his twitter lately so andy richter andy richter will be making more appearances on freeform friday nice. Board. but he says perhaps the most important graphic you'll ever find and he's got this gigantic 
ultimate hot dog style guide and it shows like every conceivable style of hot dog from around the world so you've got some more classic ones like new york style hot dog in a bun mustard sauerkraut onion sauce i just thought there were some new ones here there's some weird ones from around the world but uh, i saw there's the dodger dog yep so any idea what a dodger dog is yeah um vin scully Let's go to the third inning, and uh, that's our Dodger dog. I mean, he used to. I I know I've heard of it. I don't know if I've ever seen it. I've been to Dodger Stadium many many times. I don't remember a Dodger dog, but it's a hot dog. It's it's it's, it's a hot it's dog. a pretty standard one. Although it it it's technically it has to be a foot long dog, correct? And a foot long bun, ketchup, mustard, chopped onions, and relish. There you go. But yep. there there's like weird ones around here. There's, uh, oh man, like there's. Norway long hot dog wrapped in a large toasted tortilla or flatbread with ketchup and mustard. Mm. There's Sweden hot dogs surrounded by mashed potatoes, shrimp salad, lettuce, and fried onions rolled into a wrap. There's just some weird ones. Hawaii, what they do is they don't cut the bun open. They they just poke a hole through it and make it like a stuffed dog. Kind of you slide it in there. And then you put uh, ketchup, mustard, and fruit sauces in there. (laughs) Right? There's just some weird. There's a bagel dog. There's a potato dog. Oh, this one looks pretty deluxe. Chicago dog. Hot dog, poppy seed bun, pickle spear, celery, salt, tomatoes, whole pickled peppers, chopped onions, neon green relish, and mustard. Mm. Wow, I think I've heard of a Chicago dog before. Yeah, I've That's heard of a Chicago dog. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, one more here. Uh, Guatemala dog. Bacon-wrapped hot dog in an avocado in an avocado-coated corn tortilla, shredded lettuce, cabbage, mayo, and chopped onions. Yeah, if you guys if you want to check out Andy Richter's uh, ultimate hot dog style guide. It's actually pretty I don't know if you could take on Joey Chestnut with all those different kind of ingredients in the hot dog, though. Well, let's see how many there are. 3, 6, 9, 12, 18, 21. So I think there's about 41 different varieties about on here. So he could eat in the he could eat every one of these in his yeah. 10 minutes. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, yeah, so I found that out. So I think a lot, quite a few years ago it was 12 minutes, but the last bunch of years it's been 10 minutes. 10 minutes? minutes? Yeah, so that's, that's... 71 hot dogs in 10 minutes. That's amazing. Like, seriously, how many, let's say, you know, from now, starting now, you had to eat as many hot dogs, you had to eat 71 hot dogs, but you had as much time as you needed. Like, how many days would it take you to eat 71 I, hot I dogs? Don't, I, I really don't think I could. I really don't. No, if you had like weeks and you couldn't I, eat I, anything else till you were done the 71 hot dogs. I don't know if I could. I, 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 I'm not, you know, I like hot dogs, but I'm not going to go nuts over them. And um, especially with my heart condition, I don't know if the doctors would like to know that I've been eating eight, 71 hot dogs. So uh, I, It yeah. would literally take minimum days. Oh, for sure it would. Minimum oh, it would take absolutely. Day, days or weeks no for most people. It would take me weeks. Even most people that like hot dogs right. and can eat a lot, it would probably take you days or weeks. Right. And what I think I would do at the very beginning is eliminate the bun. Well, that's true, but Joey Chestnut doesn't have that luxury. No, I know he, that. He'd love to have that luxury. I don't, oh, for sure. But I, I don't see the purpose. Uh, <laughs> I don't see the purpose of eating 71 hot dogs. Uh, and if I had to do it, I would do it without the bun. Yeah. Okay, Tony P at T-Bone 7219. 
I'd pay admission to get into a mall that doesn't allow teenagers. And I've often said this, and I've suggested this, and I've thought they should have a daycare where you can even at least drop off the little kids or whatever, and, and away you go. I would make it a mall so that the, the first floor was just concrete, and then there like there's only like one main entrance maybe, or maybe two, and it's heavily guarded. And then you take an escalator, and everything's on the second floor and higher. I just think it would be so cool and so popular. <laughs> I agree with that. I, I would like to have a mall where I didn't have to listen to screaming kids. Would you pay five bucks to get in? Absolutely. Sure. I would. For sure. me, that that would be worth that would be worth the the Oh absolutely. Oh, can you imagine it? The noise amazing. on my brain, yeah. Absolutely. I, I would pay five bucks. Yeah. No question. Okay. So for some reason someone on Twitter is asking JJ Watt about uh, you know, getting their vote for president or something. So here are some suggestions mm. of JJ Watt's platform that he came up with. Uh, three points that he came up with. Mandatory nationwide naps from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. <laughs> Free chocolate chip pancakes every Sunday morning. And sweatpants for the new dress code. Your thoughts. Would you vote for J.J. Watt? Absolutely. Uh, I, I, You know what? J.J. Watt, uh, what he did in Houston and the people that he did during the floods down there, he is just a class act. And, uh, you, know, I, I, you know, he is one of the guys, Chris, that I really wish... I wish Houston and Butt Chin could get his head out of his ass and get that team on the right path to winning a championship because I truly believe good guys like J.J. Watt and Deshaun Watson and Hopkins, the wide receiver down there, they deserve to win a championship too. And I think that it it would be almost... It would be disgraceful if J.J. Watt left Houston without winning a championship. Yeah. For oh. everything that he's done down there for that community, oh. not only the football team, but just the community itself. J.J. Watt is an institution in in Houston. He deserves to win a championship, and I hope he gets to win a championship down there in Houston someday. Well, it'll be without butt chin, because I think his days are numbered. I do, and too. Have you seen the latest bullshit that he's pulling with Jadevian Clowney? Yes. So for those of you who don't know... Jadevin Clowney, first overall pick in 2014, is a prototypical defensive end. Correct. You know, there's some guys, some guys kind of are defensive end slash linebacker, but like some guys, like you can, you can, I don't care if you're in a 4-3 or 3-4, I don't care what your motivations are. Some guys are just pure edge rushers. Mm -hmm. Jadevin Clowney, Miles Garrett, there's just no question that these guys are edge rushers. That's what they are. Okay. Yep. Now. When it comes to qualifying a guy for a contract, if you, for whatever reason, if you list them as a defensive end, you have to pay them $1.7 million more than a linebacker. And so, of course, the <laughs> Houston Texans, under the wonderful leadership of butt chin Bill O'Brien, decided to list him as a hybrid slash defensive end slash linebacker so they could try you to pay, pay him, him cheaper. Pay him cheaper, which I think Clowney was already not that high on the Texans. And now he's just completely not showing up because now they're just spitting in his face. Right. And this is just. Like this team, you just get rid of that. Get rid of that idiot and get a couple of linemen. Like it's not hard, guys. Like you're so close. You have the best receiver in the game. Uh, this they don't trust Lamar Miller as they shouldn't, but they've got this young Deontay Foreman. If he can be healthy, could be good. They've got Deshaun Watson, uh, maybe the best young quarterback in the game outside Mahomes. Jeez, uh, they've got on defense. They got. Uh, clowny if you actually don't treat him like shit you got jj watt they've got just so much right about houston you've got the the community just jazzed and behind especially jj watt and the hurricane relief and everything 
and you've got just got this stupid piece of shit bringing in his own guy and then firing him as a scapegoat less than a year later. It's just a complete joke. The owner's passed away now, so now this idiot has even more power because everyone's not really sure how much power they should wield since the real owner has passed away. So it's just a complete disaster. They have to get rid of this idiot. And it's really a shame. And it's too bad that Mr. McNair has passed because Mr. McNair would put an end to some of this bullshit going down in Houston, I believe. Well, before he died, you remember a year or so ago when he said the inmates are running the asylum. Right. Well, that, he's right. Yeah, man, was he ever. Anyway. He's right. Absolutely. Oh. That's a waste of talent down oh, there. Waste of talent. So much talent being wasted down there. Okay, speaking of things we agree with, how about this one? A, a truer sentence has never been spoken as far as I'm concerned. You could maybe come up with some other names, but for me, this is absolutely true. Deadspin at Deadspin. Barry Sanders was the coolest football player who ever lived. Oh, Barry Sanders was the coolest. I thought On Kel- the field, for sure. I thought Kelvin Johnson was cool. I mean, you know, and and I think he he kind of suffered the same fate in Detroit. Uh, you know, unfortunately, a guy that had to retire too early because, you know, why put your body out there for, you know, 5 and 11 every year? Um, I truly wish that Barry Sanders could have been with a different organization. Speaking of wasting talent, yeah. And talking about wasting oh. talent, I, I, you know, uh, I look at Barry Sanders, I look at Calvin Johnson, I look at Matthew Stafford too. You know, um Matthew Stafford is a very good quarterback. But he's sitting there in Detroit wasting away and he'll never win a championship in Detroit. Oh, the Lions are going to be so they've got Stafford on offense and they have Darius Slay on defense and Slay is holding out. Right. They're yeah. they're a disaster. They're a disaster. And who is it? Glover Quinn just retired? Yep. Glover Quinn just retired just last a, week. Just yep. pulled a Sanders slash yep. Johnson. He's like, oh, this team isn't serious. This, I'm done. And, uh, you know, um, yeah, you, you had an impressive draft. Uh, you And you bring in uh, the defensive end from uh, the Patriots. Uh, Flowers, I believe mm-hmm. his name was. And you had the good draft with TJ Hawkinson at tight end out of Iowa. Um, there are some positive things happening in Detroit, but... You'd need about 10 years of positive things just to get this roster right, I think. And um, I don't think Matt Patricia is going to be around to see the end of it for damn sure. No, I really think the Packers are going to win the division this year. If well, Rogers you know what? At all. I'm trying. I am really trying, my friend. I am really trying not to be a total homer. A total homer. Uh, I think the Packers have made the best strides in the division this year. I really do. Sure. I mean, they had nowhere to go but up. They had to improve their defensive pass rush. They've done that. They had to improve their offensive line. They've done that. If Brian Balaga gets hurt early this year, which he more than likely will, they've got an able-bodied replacement instead of some pinhead off the practice squad. The problem the last couple of years in Green Bay has because because Ted Thompson was sick and really wasn't doing his job to his full capacity is that the 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 Packers uh in 2010 the Packers had depth everywhere coincidentally enough that's the last time the Packers won the Super Bowl they had depth they could have injuries and they could survive the injuries in 2018 when they have injuries they don't have the the depth to survive those injuries Gutekunst in the last 2 years has done more and it may not look 
to a casual observer's eyes that he's done much, but he really has. And he's helped on both the offensive and defensive lines. He's helped in the cornerback room. He's helped in the linebacker room. And I think ultimately, you know, people are writing Green Bay off right off the bat because of the last the bad year last year. But think about it this year, folks. This year, the Packers are playing a third-place schedule. So they'll get to play the third-place team in everybody's division instead of the first-place team. And ultimately, Chicago and Minnesota are going to have tougher schedules than Green Bay is. And ultimately, remember this too, folks. Um, We still have Aaron Rodgers. And I think Aaron Rodgers, after having signed the $134 million contract extension, Aaron Rodgers needs to play back to where Aaron Rodgers was in about 2015. And if he can do that, And if we can get any kind of semblance of a running game and we can get our defense off the goddamn field on third down, the Packers could win the the NFC North. And I'm telling you, folks, you may think I'm crazy and you already know I'm a homer, so what the hell's the difference? But if all those things happen correctly for the Packers, the Packers can not only win that division, but they can make a deep playoff run. Yeah, 100%. Absolutely they can. And it reminds me of the... Just to tie off a couple of those things we talked about there, uh, the... Because we, I've, I'm going to bring up another Green Bay story in a second here, but uh, just so we're clear, it's not just us uh, saying that Houston's stupid. The NFLPA is going to file a grievance because of the Jadavian Clowney situation Good. because it's just complete bullshit and everybody right. knows it, right? And with uh, Barry Sanders, we talked about the Madden 20 ratings. If they had an, if I was in charge of the ratings and they had an all-time team and they, you could like play as Barry Sanders or something, yeah, yeah. I would make them a hundred. Oh, for sure. A hundred, right? Absolutely. I, I just would, right? And so, and I, it reminds me of, even if you had guys out of a hundred, like if you made, if I was in charge of the ratings for NHL 20, let's say they're out of a hundred, I would make at least, be at least not just, not necessarily overall, but for, uh, for like Connor McDavid's speed, I'd make it 105. Mm-hmm. Like you'd want it to clearly be Eclipse. like, yeah. yeah, like just be, you know. Well, here's the thing that people may or may not forget remember about Barry Sanders. Here's a guy that played nine years, never missed a game. And from the running back position, never missed a game. Never missed a game. With no (laughs) O-line. With no O-line and, you know, not many players, period. And to play nine years in Detroit in the same city and not miss a game, that is unfreaking believable. And that's what makes Barry Sanders the best of the best. Okay, so our uh, our friends at GBP Daily that we bring up all the time, Green Bay Packers Daily, uh, on Twitter, they've got a Green Bay Packer that they uh, think belongs in the Hall of Fame, and they are at least as big of a bunch of homers as you are. So, but let's see. Good. Do you think? Well, here. So tell me who this is, and then tell me if you think this person dev- belongs in the Hall of Fame. Okay, so um, three-time All-Pro. One of four wide receivers in NFL history to win the Triple Crown, which is lead the league in receptions, yards, and touchdowns. Seven-year career. Sterling Sharp. Of course. Retired at age 29 because of a neck injury. 595 receptions, 8,134 yards, and 65 touchdowns. Does he belong in the Hall of Fame? No. No. Was he on the 97 team that won the Super Bowl? He had already gotten injured before that time. He never played in the Super Bowl with Green Bay. He played with the Packers from about 80... 80, I want to say 88 to about 96. And then he had the neck injury and he couldn't continue anymore. He was he was done one year before Super Bowl 31. 
So he never made it. Sterling Sharp had a great career, but it was cut short by injury, and his numbers do not reflect those that should be in the Hall of Fame. If you're a Gale Sayers and you get into the Hall of Fame and your numbers are skewered, that's because you were one of the greatest running backs of all times who came back from five knee, serious knee operations. Sterling Sharp never came back, and, and rightfully so. With the neck injury, he was told not to come back. Sterling Sharp was a great receiver for Green Bay, would have been in the Hall of Fame if he wouldn't have had the career-ending injury, but with the numbers as they are right now, in my opinion, as much as I like Sterling Sharp, he does not Hall of Fame worthy. You you can't let everybody in, guys. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm a homer, but you cannot let everybody in. That's my biggest argument about inclusion into Hall of Fames is that they're allowing too many Tom Dixon Harrys in there. And a lot of Tom Dixon Harrys don't deserve to be in there. So what if he had done every, everything the same, but he didn't doesn't get the neck injury, plays another year or two, and is on the Super Bowl team, gets the championship? Then does then he he's probably in the then he's probably in the Hall of Fame. Okay. Then he's probably in the Hall of Fame, but. Where he was in his career, six or seven years in, whatever it was, I don't think the numbers, nice numbers, but again, you can't let everybody in, and there's got to be a limit. And I think that there are guys that deserve to be in the Hall of Fame that played longer and uh, put up more prolific numbers. And unfortunately for them, they didn't get hurt. They got in the Hall of Fame. Sterling Sharp did not, but not everybody can get in, guys. I'm sorry. Yeah. For the win and for the win, former NFL draft mega bust Ryan Leaf has a new job on television calling football yeah, games. Yeah, you know what? I am so disappointed by this. I just can't. I mean, Ryan Leaf, come on. He's a punchline. He's a punchline. He's goddamn right. Uh, I, I, I am so disappointed by this. But you know what? Here's the thing. He'll be on the Mountain West Conference, so who the hell cares? No one's going to see him anyway, but... Uh, I was I was surprised by this. Um, I'm glad he's made progress and he's gotten his life together after his two year prison tour and uh, you know all this other stuff that he's had uh, to deal with. Um, and if you've ever driven through Great Falls, Montana, that's his hometown. You don't ever want to do that twice. Unfortunately, to get from Calgary to Las Vegas, you got to go through Great Falls, Montana when you're driving. It is a shithole and. Um, it makes Salt Lake City look like a garden spot, and uh, but I I am I'm I, I got to be honest with you I am not thrilled by this hire, um. But you know what? If he does a good job, good on him. As long as I don't have to listen to him. Okay, Will Brinson at Will Brinson. Tennis is zooming in on microscopic grass grains to figure out if balls are in or out. And the NFL is using 60-year-old men with giant metal chains to measure down and distance, not to mention squinted tablets. <laughs> I added that last part myself. I, and that's, that was good. Um, you know what? I am getting so tired of in-calls and out-calls. Listen, you get a couple of zebras behind a, a monitor and you look at at the video review and you make a call it's that simple i don't know why we're thinking too hard into this it's ridiculous how much time we spend on out of ball uh, out of out of uh, play calls and out of it's ridiculous you've got a video camera right in front of you take a look at it open your freaking eyes take a look at it and make a call it's not that hard i just i i there is such a waste of time in professional sports now. Even in golf, there's so much time being wasted on 
putting the ball down and putting it in the right spot. And I, I'm so tired of it. It's just ridiculous. Get there, make a decision, move on. It's just a waste of time. Well, the two things that need to be done are, yeah, they need to fix that in football and they need the electronic strike zone. I heard some minor league, uh, well, some minor league is experimented the other yes. day with an electronic strike yes. zone. So, so number one, you need that with the shot clock, of course, in baseball. Yep. But number two, yeah, what you need to have, you need to have the review. I know that the AAF did something like this, but not exactly how I would have wanted. But they need to have like a replay official upstairs, generally, ideally a younger person Correct. with the top quality technology and screens and everything. And be constantly having stuff ready. So if there's a challenge, if there's a challenge flag thrown, you don't have to run to the side, go to commercial. Like literally it's like, okay, the, the red flag hits the field. Okay. And the person within seconds review, okay, I've decided this done. Done. It's, it could be done in seconds. I know. Seconds. I know. Not to mention. We are wasting way. so much time. Yeah. Uh, it's just ridiculous. And it, you know what? Think about it this way. I think we're losing viewership because people get bored of sitting here waiting for the zebras to make a decision. Oh, it's ridiculous. And it's ridiculous. And I think that our, our viewership is going down at our favorite sports because these zebras can't make a decision. Make a decision and live with it. Right or wrong, live with it and move on get the game moving again because we're here to watch the game we're not here to watch the zebras prance up and down the field as they sit here and try to make a decision it's a ridiculous how we've gotten to the point where we're at now let's just try to rectify it simplify it as best as possible get a guy in front of a camera make a decision and go with it yeah, and this it's only a matter of time before, I know maybe old-fashioned morons can't picture this, but it's only a matter of time before we do have laser spotting, like where all of a Correct. sudden, you know, the, the computer knows the forward progress, there's a chip in the ball, whatever, boom, there's the light on the field, there's yep. where you put the ball, that's yep. it, we, we don't need to measure, we know if it's a first down or not, we know where the ball's supposed to be, that's it, real simple, that's where it's going to be. Anyway, Hoop Central at the Hoop Central. Giannis believes he is at only, quote, 60% of his potential. I was so happy to see this. Um, I want to believe in my heart of hearts that with the signing of his brother, Thanis, I believe is how you say it, T-H-A-N-N-I-S, um, and also bringing in Wesley Matthews, bringing in Kyle Korver, which the Bucks did today, um, I think these are all positive signs to get Giannis to sign with Green with uh, Milwaukee again next year when his contract is up. Um, that will be the most important signing in Milwaukee Bucks basketball history. If they can't get that done, then they go back to being crappy again. But uh, I am so impressed by this young man. And to sit here and tell the world after winning the league MVP that you're only at 60% of your potential, my God. And you know what? And you know what? I get where he's coming from. He can improve his jump shot. He can improve his free throw shooting. But my God, <laughs> if he does much more, uh, I, I'm just very happy that he has goals. Obviously, he has goals to lead Milwaukee to a championship, and he's only going to get better. I can't imagine. This guy, look how good. He's won the MVP at 24. How good is he going to be at 26? Or how good is he going to be at 28? How good is he going to be at 30? LeBron is still dominating at 35, and Giannis is 11 years younger. So um, this is a very good time to be a Milwaukee Bucks fan. We've waited a long time for something like this, Bucks fans. We came up a little short last year, but I really believe in my heart of hearts, at the very least, 
Milwaukee is going to be in competition to represent the East uh, in the NBA Finals next year in the NBA. All right. Well, Atheist Republic at Atheist Republic. And it's got, I know, some religious fanatic has some big thing about, you know, repent and stop your rebellion and seek God for forgiveness and all this. But it's just funny who they say, uh, tension all. And then they have all these terms for people that like literally none of these terms actually exists in real life. But here's who they think is going to hell. Fecal feasters, anal addicts, penis perverts, labium lickers, clitoris cleaners, fisting fanatics, <laughs> rectal reachers, dildo delighters, rimming radicals, urine understudies, genitalia gawkers, woman wannabes, nipple gnashers, and gerbil abusers. Your thoughts on all those people who are going to hell, even though none of those things are an actual term, except they made them up. Well, you know what? Uh, <laughs> I don't know how to respond to that, to be quite honest with you. Um, I guess they are all going to hell. I, I don't know what it is, um, but uh, I I don't know how to respond to that one. So I'm just going to let that one pass right on by. Um, uh, wow, that's that's uh, funny though. Yeah, I wonder what a, pe- a penis pervert. Even What's is. a penis? Yeah, what is that? I don't, I don't, no, they just made them all up. Yeah, just, they, in I, their head, these are real things. Okay. Uh, Deadspin at Deadspin, Atlantic League batter steals first, makes baseball history. And if you don't know the new rule there in that, in the Atlantic League, they're experimenting with this. If a ball is not caught in flight, is the term, then you can steal first. That's it. Like if it it just, it could be any part of any, the count could be anywhere. It could be zero and zero or one and oh or whatever. And the ball, the catcher doesn't catch the ball. You can try to steal first. Wow. I like it. Why not? Um, add some excitement to the game of baseball instead of watching guys scratch and sniff for, you know, minutes on end as they wait for a pitch to be thrown. I like it. Is 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 that the Atlantic League is also going with the, uh, the, uh, the electronic strike yeah. zone? I'm not sure. I'm okay. not. It might be though. That I'm might sure. be. That sound like that would be the Atlantic League. But um, I'm happy to see somebody uh, trying to work with the rules of baseball to speed the game up, but more importantly, interest it up a little bit. Um, there's there's too much sitting and standing around, and it gets too boring sometimes in the game of baseball. Oh, yeah, I agree with that. Okay, uh, a few more here. Deadspin at Deadspin. Mike Vrabel says he would gladly chop off his own dick to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> what a jock. What a jock. <laughs> yeah, um, that's great. I wonder if he learned that at Ohio State under <laughs> Urban Meyer. Um Vrabel seems to be a bit of a weird dude. Yeah, he does seem a little different. He seems a little he? different. Um, Matt LaFleur pretty much said the much, said the same when he worked under him last year as his offensive coordinator in Tennessee. Learned some things from him, but it was a bit of a strange duck, too. So, um, you know what? Um, <laughs> I, I, why would some—I don't even know. I mean, he wants to win the Super Bowl, great— you don't have to go to that extreme. Just coach your team better, get better players, and win the damn game. But I don't think you have to go to that extreme to win a Super Bowl. Yeah. Ask Belichick if he's ever done that. Um, I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, okay, more from Andy Richter here. I'm no theologian, but I've always found it weird that Jesus' middle name is fucking. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think his official middle name is that, but I think on playing fields it becomes that for 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 crying out loud. It, coaches, sure. I bet. Coaches, no question. Coaches, players, referees in the middle of you know in the heat of the battle. But um, yeah, we do take his name in vain um, more often than not on on the playing fields of life. But uh, um, you know, um, 
not making excuses for it, but uh, in the in the heat of the moment and in the, the passion of of an athletic competition, some things get said that probably wouldn't get said at Christmas dinner. So uh, we just move on. Okay, and this was a nice story from about a week ago here. But uh, so of course the Angels in baseball they uh, they honored Tyler Skaggs who yes. recently died and. Yeah. So on the same night that his mom throws out the first pitch and they all wear Tyler Skaggs number 45 uniforms, mm-hmm. they throw a combined no-hitter. And if that isn't a nice enough story, that uh, then, then there's this stat here, which the last time there was a combined no-hitter in the state of California was on July 13th, 1991, the same day Tyler Skaggs was born. Oh, my God. Have we found out what the guy died from yet? Uh, I don't think no. so. Not th- I'll, I'll look here. No, that's okay. I mean, you know, um, this guy just mysteriously about a week ago died in his hotel room in Texas, outside Dallas, Texas. They were they were uh, scheduled to play the uh, Texas Rangers in a baseball game in Arlington, Texas, and this guy dies, a pitcher for the California Angels, Los Angeles Angels, if you will. Um, great tribute. Um, they all wore 45, as Chris mentioned. They, the, the team threw it a uh, combined no-hitter, um, and then they took all their 45 jerseys and laid them on the pitcher's mound. A great tribute. But this is the second time, and I'm wondering if something's in the water in Southern California or what. I don't know what it is, and I don't mean to be making a joke about it. But remember, Daryl Kyle was a great pitcher uh, for years with the St. Louis Cardinals. and uh, But... This has happened to the St. Louis Cardinals in the past. It's also happened to the California Angels in the past. If you remember the year they won the World Series, I believe 2002, they had a they had a passing in the dugout with one of their pitchers as well. Um, it's a tragedy when this happens, and uh, I'm very uh, appreciative is the word I'm looking for in regard to that the California Angels showed this much compassion for one of their own, and um, it was a great tribute, and... Um, I I don't think it could have ended up better uh, than throwing a combined no-hitter and everybody wearing the jersey number 45 and everything else. And it's just a shock when a young man in his late 20s dies in his hotel room and you just wonder what the hell happened. But... Um, yeah, even even as of a couple of days ago, even TMZ couldn't... has Even as of two days ago, hadn't found a cause no. of death, so nobody knows yet. Okay. But... Um, Okay, we we like to make fun of the NFL for being stupid. This is so dumb. Like, if you want to make the regular season longer, fine. If you want, especially if you want to decrease the preseason, fine. I don't know if you saw this stupid proposal, did you? The NFL has proposed the NFLPA the idea of an 18 game season with a 16 games per player limit. Holy fuck! That that pisses me off on so so many levels. Because what do you do if you're a dad and your son, or a dad and your daughter, or whatever, and you're you're a family? And you finally, like if you're, in, if you're my situation and you finally secure tickets to Lambeau Field to watch a game in Green Bay. Now, I've done that before, but I'm just saying, I'm using the example. Let's say I got a family, I've got four tickets at, uh, and somebody died and gave me the tickets. And, but that's one of the games that Aaron Rodgers wasn't scheduled to play. That's bullshit. I'm not going there. I'm not going to Green Bay. I'm not traveling from Calgary to Green Bay to watch uh, Deshaun Kaiser quarterback the Packers. I think that's ridiculous. I don't think you put a limit on how many games the guys can and cannot play. If they can't play, they can't play. But you're not going to travel to a Packers game with the hope of seeing Aaron Rodgers and all of a sudden number nine is taking snaps. That's wrong. That is so wrong. 
kicked the uh, uh, preseason games down to two and add two more games onto the regular season, that's fine, 18, but don't put a stipend that you can only play 16 games. That is freaking ridiculous. You're playing against, I don't know, it doesn't matter. Okay, it does matter if you're playing the Bears and you're playing Khalil Mack and you don't have David Bakhtiari on your offensive line because that's one of the games David's going to miss. That is preposterous. Whoever thought of that is as dumb as Mark Davis. Well, that's what happens when you're trying to just compromise. Like, oh, we'll make it longer, but don't have the players play more. Too much compromise makes it just stupid. You take away games where Aaron Rodgers isn't going to play or uh, uh, what's the guy? Jimmy Garoppolo in San Francisco isn't going to play or... Uh, Jared Goff in Los Angeles isn't going to play, or Aaron Donald can't play this week because it's one of the two games. That will hurt the NFL more than help the NFL. It's so stupid. You get 100,000 people to come watch the Los Angeles Rams, and a lot of those people are going to be like me, and they're going to want to watch Aaron Donald wreck havoc in there. Oh, it's number 99 isn't playing today because it's one of his two mandated days off. Fuck off. Yeah. That doesn't win anywhere. Unbelievably dumb. I can't believe somebody came up yeah, with that. Yeah, it's so stupid, honestly. Uh, okay, Joe Rogan at Joe Rogan. Couple arrested for driving stolen car filled with uranium, a rattlesnake, and whiskey. And this police sergeant was quoted as saying, there's quite a few unanswered questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd say. Um, <laughs> stolen car. Stolen car. Uranium, uranium, a rattlesnake, and whiskey. Yeah. Wow. What kind of party was that going to be? I'm telling you, that sounds like back in the Vegas days, let me tell you. Um, I have no idea, but there are a lot of unanswered questions there for damn sure. Wow. Wow. Okay. Uh, well, this speaks. This next story speaks to something that Mike Jansen has been predicting, and we're not even in this guy's first NBA season yet, but e- uh, for the win and for the win, ESPN's Seth Greenberg says Zion Williamson is, quote, not in shape and significantly overweight. Okay, now, all you guys, all you naysayers out there that were laughing at me because I thought if Zion Williamson didn't keep up his workouts, he's going to end up being a fatter Charles Barkley. What has Mike Krzyzewski said since the end of summer, uh, summer League? He said Zion was not in shape. What has Seth Greenberg just said? The same damn thing. Zion Williamson is going to be one of these guys, folks, that is an extremely unbelievably gifted athlete but he's going to have to maintain his workouts he's going to have to continue to work out he can't not work out because he's got that body type that is going to get fat quick if he doesn't maintain his you know his wind and 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 i'm telling you right now i'm not mike shashevsky i'm not seth greenberg but i can tell you i said the same damn thing if he doesn't keep up his main and maintain his workouts, Zion Williamson will be bigger than Charles Barkley. Whew, I don't want to see Zion swing a golf club when that happens. Got that right. Okay, so, oh, and by the way, I did confirm that, yes, it was the Atlantic League that tested okay. out the automatic strike zone, and it actually uses the Doppler radar technology. Oh, really? That's what it uses, yeah. And it cool. goes, so it goes, there'll be a guy sitting with a laptop off to the side, and then he gets it and can verify if it's a strike or a ball, which is great. Why can't Major League Baseball do that? Because they're dinosaurs. They're dumb. Anyway, okay, so I thought this was neat. So there's a there's a Twitter account called at uh, Jeopardy Sports, where they just make up fictitious like Jeopardy type stuff. So this one, it has that the, qu- the correct question is, who is Russell Westbrook? And the clue 
<laughs> Straight. This NBA player wears number zero in honor of how many times he's going to pass the ball when James Harden asks him to. <laughs> Listen, there's been a lot of noise, especially out of the southern Texas area, more specifically the Houston area, that believe because you've teamed these two former Oklahoma City Thunder together, James Harden and Russell Westbrook, that they're going to win an NBA title together next year. No, they're not, folks. First of all, neither one of them play defense. And if neither one of them aren't shooting very well, what are they going to do? They still have Clint Capella. They still got some pieces. But have they improved themselves to the point where the Lakers and the Clippers have improved themselves in the West? No, not even close. Russell, Russell Westbrook does not, Russell can't even spell defense. And James Harden can't either. And I am, I don't care because I'm not a Houston Rockets fan, but it's going to be interesting to see, A, how this team does next year, and B, where is Chris Paul going to end up? Chris Paul isn't going to start the year in Oklahoma City. There's no way. Why would they do that? They're in the middle with 15 draft picks over the next how many years when, from raping the, the Denver Nuggets in a trade for a guy and then raping, obviously, the Los Angeles Clippers with seven picks that went to Los Angeles or went to uh, Oklahoma City for Kawhi Leonard and Paul George to be together out in La La Land. But let me tell you, folks, in my humblest opinion, um, the Houston Rockets did not improve themselves with this deal. In fact, I think they've gotten a little worse. First of all, yes, Russell Westbrook is much more athletic than Chris Paul is at this point. First of all, Russell being 31, Chris Paul being 34. But realistically, I just don't think there's enough there to get too confident about the Houston Rockets making a deep championship run next year because you can stop Russell Westbrook and you can stop James Harden if you have to. And if you don't have anybody else to pass to, what else you got? You got what, Austin Rivers? Clint Capella? No biggie. I don't think, in this case, I don't think that the Houston Rockets have improved themselves that much with the acquisition of Russell Westbrook. Fair enough, yeah. Even though a lot of people are going to be all on that bandwagon. So a good good uh, chance to uh, fade the Rockets and bet against them, I think, in a oh, lot yeah. of cases there for you betters out there. Uh, okay, Deadspin at Deadspin. Justin Verlander says MLB is juicing baseballs to goose up offense. And I want to go through his actual everything he said here because it's pretty interesting. Yeah. So here's Justin Verlander, direct quotes here. It's a fucking joke. Major League Baseball is turning this game into a joke. They own Rawlings, and you've got Manfred up here saying it might be the way they center the pill. They own the fucking company. If any other $40 billion company bought out a $400 million company and the product changed dramatically, it's not a guess as to what happened. We all know what happened. Manfred, the first time he came in, what did he say? He said, we want more offense. All of a sudden, he comes in, the balls are juiced. It's not a coincidence. We're not idiots. And then asked if he believed the balls were intentionally being juiced by the league. Verlander said, yes. Yes, 100%. They've been using juice balls in the home run derby forever. They know how to do it. It's not coincidence. I find it really hard to believe that Major League Baseball owns Rawlings and just coincidentally the balls become juiced. Well, I'll take it one step further. How at this point of the season, just this a week past the All-Star break or whatever it is, a couple weeks now past the All-Star break, how can two guys in the National League already have 35 home runs? 
Cody Bellinger of the Dodgers, Kristen Yelich of the Milwaukee Brewers, both have hit 35 dingers already this year. How is that possible? And the players themselves aren't juiced. The ball has got to be juiced. I don't care what anybody says. Manfred can sit there at the All-Star game and said, there in no way, shape, or form has our baseball been juiced. Guys, somebody shouldn't have 35 home runs in the middle of July at the All-Star break. That's why I believe what Justin Verlander is saying is true, and it's ruffled some feathers of people at One Park Way, Major League Baseball headquarters in New York City. Because you know what? He's telling the truth. Who knows how to throw a baseball better than Justin Verlander? And he knows the intricacies and what it feels like, I would imagine. Obviously, when you're letting it go, he knows what it feels like, and it feels different to him. And again, I don't mean to sound repetitive, but when two guys who are... Now, if you've ever seen Kristen Yelich, he's about six foot two and 100 and maybe 200 pounds dripping wet. He's not a very big guy, and he's got 35 bombs already this year. You tell me the ball isn't juiced. Um, the ball is juiced. Yeah, if I was a pitcher, I'd be pretty pissed off. If I'm, if I'm Justin Verlander, and Justin Verlander can get away with doing this because he's been an, uh, a thousand-time all-star and yada, 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 yada. He'll be a Hall of Famer someday. Uh, but you know what? He's right. And if Rob Manfred and his cast of characters want to keep denying it, why isn't there some guy like me or Chris sitting here going, well, why do Belich, why do uh, uh, Bellinger and Yelich have 35 bombs at the All-Star break? It's inconceivable to me. The last time we had somebody with 35 bombs at the, at the All-Star break was around the time when Maguire and Sosa were hitting 70 and 66, and they were juicing all the time, like your buddy Rafael Palmero and the rest of those cast of characters in the late 90s into the early 2000s that were all juicing and all doping up. When, when Maguire hit 70 that year, he had 37 bombs at the All-Star break. Seem eerily similar to you? Sure as hell does to yeah, me. Baseball, when the when the players aren't juiced, the ball's juiced. Right. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. Okay, two more tweets that I want to do. Yeah. Uh, so uh, on this uh, extended version of Freeform Friday. So uh, Jacob Resnick at Jacob underscore Resnick. Yeah, the home run derby is cool, but nothing is more electric than the Korean bunting contest. And if you see, they literally have a bunting contest and they have a, tar a big bullseye on either side. And you, and you get four points for if it goes into the bullseye yeah. and three for the next string and two for the next string. And you try and get as so many points. So that's like at the Japanese all-star yeah. game or, or no, uh, the Korean, Korean all-star game. Yeah. What do you think? What do you think of the bunting contest? I think it's great. I mean, you know what? Any, you know, I played baseball um up to about american league base baseball when i was growing up and you know what it's hard to get a bunt down and keep it fair oh sure it's hard to get a bunt sure. down um anybody can swing but it's hard to get a bunt down and keep it fair that's the hard part of a bunt and I like that we're showing other skills than a bunch of meatheads getting up there and hitting the ball 9 miles I like that there's a, a, another skill there, and I wish that they would incorporate some of those kind of those activities in there as well so we could incorporate more people into All-Star Monday, right? If we could have a, a bunting guy or a, or a, a throwing guy or, you know, so, show some other skills that these baseball players have besides hitting it, you know, nine miles out into the seats. 
you know, when you're t- when when those guys with those juiced up baseballs and they're just taking a straight lob pitch, they're going to hit it a country mile. <laughs> Big deal. I mean, Vladimir Guerrero goes deep 29 times in round one of the first round of this year's All-Star game. And almost 100 on the night. Right. And, okay, after he's done it almost 100 times, yeah, he can do it. Now let's see if he can put a bunt down. That would be interesting to see. I like that concept. Yeah. Okay, before I say the last tweet, I did see another tweet here that I just wanted to mention. Just rest in peace, Ross Perot. I remember growing up and that like Dana Carvey made his career on Ross Perot and George H.W. Bush and all those guys and... And I remember, I forget who it was, but someone made fun of Ross Pro and said, made fun of him, said, oh, like, hey, you get daily haircuts and all this. And I just, <laughs> I thought it was funny. And I just remember the time that there was that news story that going on a yachting trip together was Ross Perot, Michael Jackson, and a young Macaulay Culkin. And I was like, that is the... Oh definition of a motley crew. Can you imagine, like the early '90s, Ross Perot, Michael Jackson, and Macaulay, and Macaulay Culkin. Culkin on a on a yacht? Like, what was that conversation? That's more like, like the Three Stooges <laughs> going on a trip together. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Holy Toledo! Michael Jackson, Ross Perot, and Macaulay Culkin. Wow. On a yacht. If that on a yacht. like a joke premise. Then I mean, I yeah, that sounds like it should Ross be Ross Perot, yeah. Michael Jackson, and Macaulay yeah. Culkin go on a yacht. Yeah. Yeah, sitting in a bar and Michael Jackson, Macaulay Culkin, and uh, Ross Perot walk in. Yeah, um, boy, that is a that is a weird. Group how's how's right that there. for a group? But anyway, that's a weird group. Uh, rest in peace, uh, Ross Perot. Gave a lot of money to charity. He was eighty nine. I'm surprised he didn't leave to be ninety because that guy just looked like he was always ninety. But he really <laughs> did. Even when he ran for president, I thought he was. He looked ninety when he ran for president. I agree. I guess he died at eighty nine. But actually, that reminds me of. Uh, a lot of those roasts when they do like walked into a bar jokes like David Hasselhoff walks into a bar every morning and then he stays there till it closes. <laughs> that was a Gilbert Gottfried joke at the Hasselhoff roast. Anyway, uh, good one. Okay, well, we can't do a whole uh, Freeform Friday without an Onion tweet. So the last one will be the Onion at the Onion. Dad thought he could make it out of the zoo without buying kids light up shit. <laughs> make it out of the zoo without paying what yeah. and he didn't um i have no idea you, i'm sure you've had to like buy your kids light up shit when you go oh somewhere. yeah you know you go in the store and they're sitting there and i want this and i want this and you just buy it to shut it up and shut them up and 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 move them on but uh i i don't shop that's one good thing i don't do i don't uh, uh i just don't do that because i just don't want to get involved in it so We've got to run. This has been a lot of fun. Um, we went a little bit longer here today, and that was by design because we had some time, and this was a really good day to do it. And I'm very appreciative that Chris went on to our Twitter, Twitter account and found all these good tweets, and uh, we had a lot of fun with it. Hope you enjoyed it because I sure as hell know that I enjoyed it, and uh, I thank you for participating. Hope that you continue to find us out here on our nine different social media avenues. and. Uh, Please, anytime, feel free to leave a comment, question, whatever, and I can guarantee you that we will comment to your question and your comment, whatever it may be. Having said all that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.